Welcome back. I'm Gary Parr, Editorial Director, Efficient Plant Magazine, and with me this time, Brad Buddy, Vice President, Digital at Emerson Automation Solutions. Brad, welcome. Thank you, Gary. It's good to be back. Yes, yeah, been a while since we talked. Good to talk to you again. Our topic this time, and this this is a world that has, I'm sure, has and is and will go through huge changes, is maintenance and plants in this uh, pandemic environment, but uh, mainly and more important, I think, in the environment of digital transformation. Um, I think before the pandemic, we were starting to see digital transformation take uh, a good foothold in manufacturing and people start to appreciate what it can do for them, particularly small and mid-sized plants where they can really level the playing field. But um, uh, I hope you agree with me that this pandemic has accelerated this whole transformation process. Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone would agree with you on that. Um, we uh, we were all forced into a new way of working. <laughs> and uh, I, th- I think across the board, whether you're an office worker or factory worker, maintenance workers, everyone had their own experience getting through the pandemic adjustment. Yeah, well, and that's the, the thing. Digital transformation, people were involved. People were looking at it, talking about it. And then all of a sudden they had to embrace it. Uh, you know, we got to get on board here because we can't have people in the plants. We got to watch how many people are in plants and that uh, transformation has to happen faster. But I, you know, I, I always look in this pandemic situation, which foolishly uh, back in, in March, I thought, oh, a couple, three months, we'll be out of this thing. And now it looks like it's going to be a long haul. Uh, but uh, people really, had to sit back and, and say, wait a minute, we, we're going to have to change our way of work here across the board because uh, we still need to manufacture things. And uh, digital transformation is the, is the solution. Have you found uh, uh, people, no, well, I'm sure found, have found people embracing it, but uh, getting very aggressive at, at implementing digital uh, systems? Yeah, we, we have seen that. And, um, you know, if I break, break the answer into IT versus OT, Gary, um, information technology versus operations technology, I think we're, we see a lot, we saw a lot more change behind us in the IT realm. Uh-huh. There was a lot of investments made in video conferencing and that kind of stuff. But I think also those investments now are extending out into the way that information flows up to people that have to make decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the IT infrastructure is what helps those information flows. So you connect it to OT and bring out the information. There are new tools that IT teams are bringing out to um, to help expose how much work needs to get done and not just not just the quality of work being done. There's this because there's this big backlog of work. I think that was put off during the pandemic. That's what I'm hearing mm-hmm. that, um, you know, fewer people went into the plants, fewer, fewer workers were on site. And so, um, the backlog in a CMS is starting to build up. So the information that's being presented now is being asked to help prioritize the things that need to get done to keep production operating at a high and of course a safe level. Um, but it's also being asked to do something different, which is giving the information to the people to go into the plants or the operation to be more effective at their work. And I think that's going to be the driver moving forward 
um, I like to think to the future in these things is, is making people more effective on their, at their work using information. Okay. So then uh, as a result of that, then maintenance people these days have a better plan of attack, a more efficient plan of attack are hitting the, uh, uh, prior, prioritized jobs in the order they should be handled then. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Um, you know what, one of the, I'll give you an, a quick example here. Um, we have Tableau, which helps to visualize information and brings together disparate information. Um, Microsoft BI is another way to do it. And you walk around a factory and you can see the, the television screens oftentimes that people put up, you mm -hmm. know, you can see, you can see what's going on. And it used to be that you'd get a one day picture of your metrics and numbers. But now what I'm seeing are real time data flows on those KPIs that you're operating the plant with. And you can see it on the TV screen. Someone who's at home also gets to see that same information and everyone's making decisions using that same info. You know, in the, in the old days, you'd drive by a plant, you'd see that uh, the sign up that said it's been 300 days since our last, sa right. last safety incident. And right. it would be, you know, it would be uh, wooden tags on hook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, now, now it's a computer screen. Yeah. Is this now also driving the move away from uh, reactive maintenance? Yeah, we, that that trend has been going on for for a long time and continues to go. But to I go guess on. I, yeah, um, I, yeah, I didn't phrase that very well. Is it accelerating it for all the people who've been resistant or have just ignored it? Is it accelerating it? Is it really uh, putting it in high gear? Uh, we we think so. Um, you know, the need to do the right work with the right priority, like we were saying. Um, relies upon proactive maintenance, relies upon the information from the assets that you pull out in order to make those maintenance decisions. Um, Emerson's been acquiring a lot of software over the top of the, the sensors and control systems to help users understand what information is most relevant to them and take action on it. And we see uh, more growth in that space than in the underlying businesses, to be honest with you. So I think it is accelerating. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to hear as uh, we talk about it all the time. And then you, you talk to people who are actually running operations. And, oh, we don't do that. And uh, I've wondered if I could gather a bunch of those folks together from conferences, if they wouldn't be singing a different tune today. Oh, you know, we're, yeah, we're, we're definitely doing predictive. We're doing prescriptive. We're, uh, we're moving very rapidly away from reactive maintenance. Yeah, I mean, very rapidly is always uh, the question, right? How <laughs> they still do it in a very controlled and cautious way. And the last time we talked, Gary, I mentioned this uh, this truth that we see is the uh, everyone's willing to do a pilot, but it takes a lot more courage and discipline to move from pilot purgatory into full scale operations. That's the pressure we fee we see our customers um, dealing with right now. You know, they have to figure out how to get scale mm -hmm. out of the best the best highest priority opportunities in their business yeah well and we don't see this uh, pandemic ending anytime soon so it, this is probably the ideal time to uh, bite the bite the bullet and 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 dive in and start to accelerate and expand out of the pilot plant uh, purgatory i love that 
Yeah, the, these are the times. I mean, if you have a bad, you know, you've been, as we said, consolidate or um, pushing off maintenance work because you can't send people in. So I think the drivers now are even more important to get people focused on the right work. I, I yeah, honestly, I was driving in this morning. And, uh, and there was a fella out in a boom truck fixing a sign and he had all his tools hanging on him. And, um, and to me that as I was preparing for this podcast, it became real. You have to send people out with the right tools to get the right work done the first time because the cost of not getting it done right, the cost of getting the wrong priorities is just so great. Um, not just in the money you're paying to send them out there, but the opportunity cost of doing other maintenance work. Right. So that's why you have to bring all these bits of information together, whether it's from IT or from your maintenance plan into or your reliability plan all into the one just key decision making forum. Mm -hmm. People up and down the entire ladder in an operation uh, coming to realize how better informed they can be about what's going on uh, is is information more trans well it is more transparent if people will look but are they starting to appreciate that uh, it's available to them and it you know, it was always the question of we have a ton of data but we really don't know what we have and we don't know how to use it and and i think we've cleared that hurdle but uh are, are we seeing people up and down the ladder uh come to really appreciate what's you know, the information that's available and, and its accuracy yeah, absolutely. Um, we we did some surveying a couple months ago to find out how our customers are reacting to uh, to working at home, and the information flows are uh, are one of the most important things to them. We see that actually a shift in roles and responsibilities and decision making and customers from you know people down in the maintenance shop up into this um, coordination of procurement and IT and reliability and technology and so bringing all of those folks along on a, on a path forward is kind of a new it's a new game out there right in the in the way that decisions are being made so in order to make an effective decision you know they all have to be using the same information because they're going to have conflicting kpis and you know needs for each of their organizations but if you give them you know, if a company like Emerson can, can provide to them a common way to look at the ways to solve a problem and answer each of their four different functional area needs, then I think, you know, you can help bring this technology along faster and change the way that people do work. And that, you know, that's something, and in, in, to, to, uh, to not get too commercial here, but something that uh, I hope people are coming to realize is that uh, organizations such as Emerson are not a place to buy things these days in many ways, but are a resource to help you and uh, 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 <laughs> just to hold your hand and get you through it and get you set up and, and help you make progress. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. That's exactly right. We, we did this survey that I mentioned um, um, blind. So it wasn't really about us as much as just understanding the trends and because there's fewer people in a plant, you know, and the brain drain, which we've long talked about, um, you have to rely on the original equipment manufacturer for service, support, maintenance, and even connected services, that OT connected information um, infrastructure and setup to make it effective, to make yourself effective. And that by design, I think, can actually make, make operating a plant more effective if you leave the experts 
to do the things that they're good at and then yourself focus on the core competencies of your business, that can probably drive a better bottom line. Yeah, and I think that's where where people need to really realize and and appreciate is when it comes to digital transformation, the first thought is, all right, how many hundred more people am I going to have to hire at IT prices? And you really don't have to do that because those resources are available uh, from Emerson in this case so that you, you can get that kind of expertise and get yourself up and running and have long-term help if you want it uh, without hiring another army of people that, <laughs> that then you got to have old management structure for. Yeah, right. I, I think actually you can, in the, in the whole scheme of things, you can reduce the number of people. No. Um, it, because you're eliminating, you can eliminate a lot of waste that, you know, in a lean manufacturing construct in an office, let's think about that. You, uh, by eliminating data entry, um, data handoffs, um, lag times in, in process, you, uh, you can just take the total water level of the resource pool down. One of the really interesting changes that we observed during this uh, this COVID response was where our customers used to keep information in file cabinets because that was the safest, easiest way to do it. Mm-hmm. When, when everyone was sent home from, from work and they had to do their job at home, they couldn't access those file cabinets. Right. <laughs> and that was kind of a, it was a, an aha moment for Oops. us because it was <laughs> almost a backwards way of thinking uh, right. in the old way. Right. So, so now if you, if you, this is more in the IT realm. Again, if you digitalize just documentation and store it in, in a cloud environment, um, it becomes more accessible by a number of clicks rather than walking around and scouring through paper files to find info. Right. So those are, you know, those are little things, Gary. I think that digital transformation, digital applications make available to you that people often forget about. It's a lot of that little stuff that comes together to solve or create bigger impact. Right. Yeah. Well, that's just, uh, that's, that's exactly it. And the, the fear of, of cloud technology is it secure. Uh, well, yeah, you got to get over that in a hurry because people are working now from all over the place and uh, they need, they need the data and they need it accessible. Yeah. F- filing cabinets. Yeah. There's something I haven't thought about in a long while. <laughs> They're gone, man. They're gone. I, I, someone told me the other day, day they moved when they moved offices because of the quarantine they moved into an office that had no file cabinets by design so they had to do some work to digitalize documentation uh during their move and that was it and now now they're living that new normal yep so well and that's the when i look at all right what positive things are going to come out of this virus episode in our our history those kinds of things it, it forces us to get over those little hurdles and move on and, mm-hmm. and get, get, use the technology, put it to use and take advantage of it uh, out of sheer necessity. But then long-term the payoff is pretty significant. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And it feels, it feels like a big thing when you're going through it. But then when you look back in hindsight, you're like, gosh, I can't believe we even thought there was an alternative to, <laughs> you know, metal filing cabinets. <laughs> I, I asked this morning, I asked one of our product managers when the last time they printed a product catalog was, and they had to stop and think about it. And they looked back and they said, it was 10 years ago. Uh-huh. I still have one on my shelf. And I mean, you don't see 
shelves and shelves of catalogs anymore, right? right? That's just the new normal we've gotten used to. And you, you didn't, you don't stop to think twice about it now. You just do it. In the right. New normal. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you print something? What's the point? Right. Yep. Right. Right. Exactly. Yep. Other than magazines, of course. Um, <laughs> When it comes to uh, manuals, you know, digital, digitized manuals, now at the maintenance uh, end of things, start to look mm-hmm. at uh, QR codes, uh, augmented reality, uh, those kinds of technologies that uh, were playing kind of on the edge and now, I got to believe, are starting to find their way into the mainstream operations when it comes to maintenance? Yeah, I think QR codes are going to be a, a- new normal thing to be honest with you um it kind of ties to that printed printed catalog or quick start guide construct that um you give a you just need a little bit of information with a product to know where to go but then once you know where to go and and you can get access to the device specific um manual or troubleshooting guide you, life is just so much easier so you know my own personal experience I went to a, a restaurant during COVID out on the patio wearing face masks, super safe. Um, and they, instead of a beer list, they brought me a card that had a QR code on it and said, our beers are changing regularly, scan this QR code and you'll see the menu. And uh, I did that and it was awesome. <laughs> it was super <laughs> easy. And then yesterday I was installing a, uh, a new thermostat in my house and I just had a two page quick start guide and it said for the rest of the instructions scan this QR code and it, and it brought me to an interactive installation um, app or website that helped me through the rest of it. And um, to me again, that felt normal. I think looking to the future again, I think that QR code um, entry point to information is going to be something we see at a lot more products, both in the consumer world and also in the industrial world. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What do you think? Oh, I, I think so without a doubt. Um, uh, the potential there is incredible. And when I look at it in terms of uh, whether you have a tablet or a phone or some kind of a heads up display to be able to in the field, you know, I'm, I'm always thinking about all right, the, guy, the guy in a small plant who can walk five minutes and get back to a, a computer and a resource. That's that's one thing. But guys who have multiple locations or you know an oil and gas field or you know, multiple acres, to be able to send them out with a device knowing that they can get all the information they need to perform a function without calling back, without walking back or taking the golf cart back or whatever it is, is a huge time saver and and i think there's a a lot of hidden cost uh just in in wasted time that gets eliminated just because of a qr code that's right you know that research i mentioned the two of the things that people did during the the, uh, um, the covid response was they sent fewer people into the field and sent them in less frequently so instead of going out two or three at a time they'd send one person and when Mm -hmm. they needed help that one person would have to either use the content at their hands, like through the devices we just mentioned, or, or they would have to call back. We think that's going to be actually a new opportunity to do business differently. We had a really cool example um, at PV Gas in, uh, in Vietnam where we couldn't send a technician in to perform some calibration of some devices because we couldn't cross over country borders, right? That's mm-hmm. one of the things we're still dealing with from a travel standpoint. Right. So they came up with a solution where through Google Glasses on the maintenance tech on one end over the instrument, our service engineer 
in uh, Singapore could provide the instruction, help with any troubleshooting, and get the uh, get that cali- that device calibrated again remotely. Yeah. Um, so that support from afar and Google Glasses combined together, I think, is a way that we can solve problems more efficiently um, and faster in the future. I think that'll be part of the new normal, honestly. Yeah, and, and a good part, a good part, without a doubt. Right. Yeah, the Google right. Glass thing is, is kind of entertaining to me because uh, from a consumer perspective, I think we all just assumed it had gone away. But uh, in the industrial world, not so, not so much at all. That uh, technology has been maturing quite nicely uh, through since, since it disappeared from the store shelves. And we now have, I think, the technology is powerful enough that um, very useful, as you just described. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the number one safety issue in our plants is uh, hand injuries. And I think Google Glasses is a really interesting way to enable people to keep their hands in front of them engaged in the right ways in a safe way so they don't have to move between, you know, the work that they're doing and a screen or a piece of paper or work packet, whatever it is. I think that I see great safety safety improvement opportunities using that kind of technology. We're, we haven't scaled it yet, but it, I think it's there, Gary if we just give it a little time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and safety plays a role in all of this. Uh, just better safety when you look at having updated instructions, uh, updated uh, guidance on how to handle things, going to a, a see a video uh, of how to make a repair and warnings on there, don't do this, you'll, you'll lose a hand. Right, uh, right. You know, that you can keep up to date. And uh, instead of some somebody writing a note on a side of a, a piece of paper that you might read or might not read, I mean, I think there's huge safety implications for, for all this dis, dif, digital transformation. Yeah, agreed. This is, that's kind of a, that's another little thing, I think, that, you know, it's not as sexy in the whole digital transformation message, but, you know, videos and improved, improved instructions. Um, we, we see that happening a lot, and it happens at scale, too. It happens, you know, how-to videos on, you know, YouTube is where it all originated. But that, that mindset, I think, of, of handy folks, like maintenance people, of getting instruction from a how-to video is, is pervasive now. And you take that kind of mentality into the manufacturing and industrial world, um, I think there's, as you point out, loads of opportunity to better present work procedures in visual ways to keep people more safe, to help them get that job done faster and and then access experts when they get stuck. Right. Because that's just going to be one or two clicks of a button away or a voice command away. Right. And there's a whole advantage there in terms of the skill gap, skills gap, uh, training, getting young people in who, who may not have the, the background that's needed and being able to get effective work out of them because you can show them a video here, just simply do these things in this order and, uh, and then you'll get the job done and we can move on with life. And I, I think there's a real benefit there too. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Young people love the YouTube um, <laughs> and the videos, right? Yep. I mean, if it, my, my daughter does TikTok. I know this might not feel relevant. Bear with me, Gary. TikTok. Okay. And you know what TikTok is? It's actually, it gives you instruction how to do a dance and then records 
you doing that dance with some choreography. And so she can learn a 30 second routine in a matter of just a few run throughs and a few minutes and get that direct feedback in the video. Um, as I think to the future again and observe that behavior, if you layered in maintenance type activities in that same way, the uptake of skills, I think, could be substantially improved. Well, and it eliminates a fear factor. Uh, you, you, can, you can see it done by a real human who's had success and gives you guidance. And so you can just kind of dive in with some confidence that you can't necessarily do if you have to read instructions on a piece of paper or uh, do it one time and then you don't do it for three months and then you're going to do it again. Right. Um, you know, there's that fear factor that really just, I think, gets reduced quite a bit. Yeah. And there's a lot of nuance to the kinds of hardware that maintenance folks are working on in an industrial environment, right? I mean, it's, to be honest with you, it's not always built for usability. <laughs> so, so to, you know, to see someone do the work in the way they position their hands or the way they, they put it in the vice on the bench in order to get at it, you know, I think a lot of that nuance comes through this video so much better than it does even in a, in a diagram on a piece of paper. Yeah. Well, and, and you get to see it, uh, performed and can repeat and watch and watch and watch and oh, as many times as you need to see it. Right. And if someone's showing you, if you're there physically with someone, which these days you really can't be, uh, that person starts to get impatient after the fourth time, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, and, and so you feel the pressure to, to just do it where the video doesn't care how many times you run it. So there's, <laughs> you can watch that till you, you're confident and then, then go do the function. And that, that's a good point. Another little thing that scales up more quickly when you do it with video versus a person yeah. in training. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. So. As we work our way through this, and it, I mean, anybody who's not doing digital transformation <laughs> it, it better hurry up, quite frankly. Um, you're going to get left behind. But I think that when we get over this, this uh, pandemic, whenever it subsides, I uh, don't think it's ever going to actually go away, but once it subsides, we're going to see companies come out of this at different levels of mm -hmm. digital transformation and with different levels of expertise when it comes to digital transformation. Do you see people sticking with that and keeping the train moving forward or sliding backward? Yeah, it'll, it'll keep moving forward for sure. I think this, you know, the event of this past year was just, uh, um, just pushed us down a hill. Um, but like the examples earlier, Gary, I think that the things we're learning today that we're going through the change of adopting will a year from now look back as and, and seem obvious to us. Mm -hmm. um, so I think what I'm predicting, I think is a prediction you've heard many times is the rate of change will increase. We'll, we will get through this cycle. We'll take a, a deep breath and we'll go right into the next cycle of digital transformation, whatever it is. We'll, um, we'll be implementing something new, so I think what you know what they say is the winners of of business and operations in the future are the people, the companies that can get through these cycles fast. And the cycle is whatever you, you decide is important, right? Yeah. You mentioned yeah. early on prioritizing and decision making across functions within a business is, is gonna be key because then you put your, your energy and resources into the next thing that you wanna you wanna get implemented. And 
as people like you and I, I think our adaptability will continue to increase as well. It mm-hmm. almost has to as technology rolls. So we'll be ready for it as people. I think the tension you're going to find is, is how fast enterprises are willing to push these things at scale. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the things that I think enterprises have learned is that your work efficiency, productivity doesn't necessarily drop off just because people aren't in the office or aren't in the plant. And in many cases, I think people have come to realize that it increases, that people are not distracted by side conversations and the water cooler and those kinds of things, and they end up doing more work and doing it more effectively and more accurately. And I think that's another thing that that, uh, will be a benefit from this. I uh, I know uh, a guy in the civil engineering business, and during quarantine, their uh, productivity went up four percent. They made <laughs> they made more money than they ever have before uh, uh-huh. because of that worker productivity. Now, is that sustainable? I don't know. Probably not to that level. But is that a lesson that business leaders will have learned in an effort to enable more work from home and remote collaboration? <laughs> Absolutely, because yeah. it flowed right through the bottom line. Right. That's right. Well, yeah, 4%, even if it drops back to 2%, who wouldn't take a 2% increase in productivity? Uh, thank you very much, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when you, I think one of the key lessons for me is when you can, when you get to the, we were forced into it. And when you were forced into it, you, you had to leap. And when you saw the P&L come out of it and the operational metrics as in, being improved in many cases, that gives you the confidence to go do the next thing with a big leap also. So that's what I'm, if I could be encouraging of the audience members here um, at this point, it'd be coming out of this, go find that next big leap and have the courage to take it because we've shown in the last few months, it, it can be productive. It can flow through to the bottom line. Yes. Yep. And get, get out of plant, pilot plant purgatory and start. Using yeah. It. Get out of pilot purgatory. <laughs> that's right. Scale it up. Make That's the right. change happen. It's, you know, it feels painful at first, but in hindsight, it'll it'll look normal once you get it in place. Yep. So, yeah, I, th- I think we're at that point. Um, what do you think? I mean, you talk to a lot of people around the yard. Well, the same industry. same thing. Same thing. I mean, people forced, forced to do it. You know, I, it, this is kind of a negative uh, analogy, but you look at how many people have you known who have lost their jobs just out of the blue, so complete surprise, and you have that you have that initial uh, depression, frustration, all those things that you go through, and then they end up with a different job in a different way that's far better. They're much happier, and and I I liken this to that. All right, we we're going through this miserable time. We can't go anywhere, can't do anything, got to wear a mask, and uh, long term probably going to be just a little blip in history, but mm-hmm. we'll come out of it. I think better people and better companies, more efficient, more productive. And hopefully more willing to, to continue to drive forward on these new, new yes. technologies. Right. 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 Yeah. Not, not so fearful, not so hesitant. Yes. Right. Right. What, what's your perspective on it versus OT? I'd like to, to get back to that again, because I think, you know, what we've been talking about is the people and their change. And to me, that's an it thing. Um, is, is it taking over more responsibility of, the plant's infrastructure as an outcome of this too? I, I think, I think there's a middle ground being found. Most people are finding a middle ground. 
just that from what I hear and talking to people, I think that that there's a, an education going on. IT people are starting to realize that there's some re, real things that need to be dealt with on the OTN that affect productivity and you know, fighting viruses sometimes just isn't really the uh, the priority has to be there, but but the priority is our security. You know, somebody needs to take care of that, but we need to get product out the door. And uh, I, I keep hearing that there's that people are kind of coming together um that that uh, ot people and and people on the plant floor are, you know there's a reality of business and for so that i mean yeah for me it's it's finding a middle ground i think there there's a, a middle ground that uh, uh working together and and i keep having a a thought that at some point we probably won't even have an it and an ot It'll just be technology. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, I, I can see that happening too. I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to go on a tour of an Amazon fulfillment center a couple of months uh, before the, the quarantine hit. And to me, that felt entirely IT, to be honest with you. It was, it was one connected technology universe. Mm-hmm. So I, I, using that as an example, I think that is probably the trend. Just, just get away from the two designations and just have technology. Yeah, right. These these are the guys who keep the keep the data flowing, however it needs to get done. Yeah. Right, right. Whether it's the you know the Wi-Fi system operating or connecting devices or the robots themselves, I mean, I think it all is it's so interdependent in the future. Yep. That's uh, that's just how it'll be architected. Because yeah, Cause, yeah it's, at some point that robot has to function. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. you can have all your IT rules all day long, but that thing has to move and it has to move product. And uh, we, you know, at this very moment, it's down and it's costing tens of thousands of dollars every minute. Uh, we got to, what you know, by hook or by crook, that thing's got to run again and sort things out after the fact. And uh, yeah, right, right. And what, and once you know, when you increase the speed now of the steps of each of these uh, manufacturing processes and the shortening the duration of queue time between them, you know, now, now the connectedness of the whole infrastructure is even more important. So I think the more I'm thinking on this, Gary, that that's correct. It, uh, it, beca- it has to become one because things will move so fast between mm-hmm. stations. And then maintenance has to be part of that too, because when, when you pull out one component, you have to have it right back in place otherwise that queue is going to pile up really quickly right yeah is that so so are you describing just kind of off the cuff here describing almost an elevation of maintenance's role in the in the greater uh, enterprise in terms of of the technology and working with the technical people the IT the OT people and you know, being predictive, are we looking at even a, another elevation of, of maintenance? Yeah, and it, well, maybe a, if it's not elevation, maybe that's not the right word necessarily because, you know, all skills are important. Maybe it's just a, a migration of the skill sets to be more, hmm. caught, you know, to blend in the modern technology with, you know, the fundamentals of, of how the, the, the system works or whether it's electrical or mechanical. So, yeah, I think tighter integration across the board. But, you know, back to back to the point we made earlier, manufacturers and original equipment manufacturers are an important part of that because once you get into the, you know, get in, 
inside the system of a of a manufacturing operation, it might be that you need um, need to bring in that expertise to help you there. So connected devices help to keep those OEMs in the game and and have them as part of your maintenance strategy. I'm seeing silos crumble quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I hope so. I mean, that just, I mean, as, as an economy, we need to keep driving productivity, right? So you yeah. have to take down those silos to get there. Yeah. Yeah. No, you can, you can see in, in that scenario, you can see the maintenance department, the IT department, the OT department, and whatever OEM support, all operating as one entity almost. Yeah. Right. Looking looking at the same information, agreeing upon a decision collectively, and then implementing that. Mm -hmm. You know, and and providing the maintenance person with the right tools and expertise to get it done. Yeah. 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 It's hard to easy to say. Hard to get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Enter humans. Oops. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. But but it's you know that's pandemic whatever uh, catalyst for it. Uh, drives that kind of thing and people say well, uh, sit back and say wait a minute we got to take a new look at what we're dealing with here because we have to get to point b and uh, we're only going to get there together and uh, so then all right you guys work with these guys and you guys work with these guys and let's figure it out and mm -hmm. and get it solved yeah because mm -hmm. we need to make money sooner or later <laughs> yeah yeah agreed yeah agreed. all right brad thank you that was fun yeah, Gary, it was fun. I appreciate your perspective on this stuff. It's fun to fun to think about the future, and, and uh, you do a lot of that. Try to. Try to. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks to everyone for listening.